When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. Welcome back to the family with Tom Bernard. Tom is off. He'll be back with you guys next week heading up the uh, podcast. Filling in, I'm Dave Schrader along with me. Andy Brandt Bernard. Cassie Schrader. Mike Gelfand. And joining us in just a few moments, Perry Richardson from Striper and Firehouse, a cigar aficionado as well. We'll talk to him about all of that right here on The Family. Tommy, I never believed it until now, but apparently you're a pretty big deal. Was there ever a question in your mind? Well, you might say I was a doubting Thomas. See what I did there? Yes, how incredibly clever. Anyway, what's your point? Well, last month I was trying to find you a car to replace the Mafia Mobile and suggested leasing a Nissan Altima as it was impossible to find your first choice. I love that Altima, and I'm actually looking forward to checking out... The all-wheel drive as soon as it's known. Well, apparently someone at Nissan was listening to us, and at this month, at Coon Rapids Nissan and Burnsville Nissan, we can offer short-term 18-month leases. That's actually pretty smart. By then, the chip shortage will be over, right? Man, I hope so. The only chip shortage I want to hear about is Bilski dumping one into the bunker. By the way, for the first time ever, Coon Rapids Nissan was number one in the state, and Burnsville was number two. Your Altima was actually one of the cars that put J-Lo on top. To learn more about short-term leasing, stop into Burnsville Nissan or Coon Rapids Nissan. Michael Bryant, Brad Sean. Bryant, what's the latest? Uh, we're just trying to represent people who have been injured through no fault of their own. We're trying to talk to them before they talk to an adjuster or before they take a settlement that isn't something they should get based upon their injuries. How many people are out there, in different, not in the law business, that love to run around scaring people before you even get to them? Well, adjusters will want to settle cases right. and they want to close files. So based upon that, they do what they have to. Um, I think there's a lot of circumstances where they probably act as attorneys where they're not attorneys and they try yeah. to explain people's rights or they give them a certain view that if they look at it. And what I always say is this. If the adjuster really, truly thinks the offer they made makes sense, they'd have them come see us. You know? And that's exactly my question is you have to understand who has the best, your best interest in mind, correct? Well, you want to know what your rights are. You know, whether yep. or not you decide yep. you're going to hire us or not, that's a choice. It's a free consultation, and you want to understand what your, all your rights are and what coverages you have. And plus the fact, I hang out with you, so you got to be a good guy <laughs> if I'm hanging out with you. Uh, maybe. <laughs> uh, okay. Ladies and gentlemen, Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. We're back. This is The Family. I'm Dave Schrader hosting today. You know, we, 
Andy, we get to do this thing every year. It's called the Jericho Cruise. Chris Jericho, mm-hmm. the AEW wrestlers, put together this amazing cruise, and he loads it with rock stars, wrestling, and then I'm his paranormal contingent, so I get to go on and tell ghost stories, right? Mm-hmm. And this was one of my favorite uh, trips. We just did the third one, what, two months ago? Yeah, back in October. And uh, it, one of the, very rarely do you have these highlights because everybody's there for the – celebrities they're mm-hmm. there for the wrestlers the rock and yep. rollers right and and striper's going to be on board and i come walking into the the uh green room to get my credentials and everything and uh, this guy jumps up and he goes are you dave schrader from darkness radio i'm like yeah and he goes hey man i'm excited and it's perry richardson from striper and firehouse and i was like that that moment of course none of my family's there to witness this <laughs> nobody's ever proven that actually this was a response by a real celebrity but i was you know excited to actually have somebody that knew what the hell I did in my world and yeah. uh, and he was there we got a chance to hang out all weekend and watch them perform with striper Perry is as uh, joined what what is it about two three years ago now that you uh, joined in as the basis Perry uh, it's been uh, almost four years now Wow four years that goes by quick yeah. huh are you are you standing at the end of a subway uh, tunnel <laughs> <laughs> Do I sound that way? You sound sound a little far away, like you're afraid the COVID that Tom has might somehow get to you over the lines. It won't, I promise. If you step up closer, we'll get to hear you. It's an expensive microphone, I guess. Yeah. Well, it's good to have you here, man. We had a a great chance to hang out and have some fun. I know you spent quite a bit of time in the cigar lounge uh, hanging out between shows. (laughs) <laughs> As everybody I know that met you was like, yeah, I met Perry in the cigar lounge and uh, had a great time. But what's it like, uh, you know, obviously being a part of an iconic band with Firehouse, then st- and, and certainly you've stepped into different uh, realms. You were doing country music for a while with what was it, uh, Tr- uh, Trace Adkins and Craig Morgan, right? Yeah, yeah. I did that for, uh, gosh, I guess uh, maybe 17 years I was in Ooh. Nashville. Oh, yeah, wow. after Firehouse, uh, I moved to Nashville and and uh, played country for for that time. And then uh, Striper thing came along and uh, saved me <laughs> <laughs> from having to play with a fiddle player and uh, <laughs> back back in rock and loving every minute. How, I've got to know, when you come from Firehouse to transition into country music, is it a major culture shock or is music music? It's truly the universal language. It's music, man. I mean, I I grew up with that. My dad played in a country band, and that's the first thing I learned how to play. And uh, I was singing in a uh, – well, the first thing I did was I was singing in a gospel quartet when I was like seven or eight years old. And that was pretty much country too, you know, so anybody knows Southern gospel. So it was in my blood, so I fell right into it really. But um, – the transition to stage, uh, being on stage in a rock band, a country band, is totally different. And being in that, in that band, you're not really in a band, man. In country, you're like, you know, you're a hired gun. You play a show, and you're not considered a part of the band. You're just backing up that artist. So it's a. That's one thing I didn't like about it. You're not, you know, you're not considered a family. And in this band, and especially in Striper. And all their fans, man, were one big family, and I really love that. They, they have the best fans in the world. I mean, it's amazing what these people do. And as I can attest to our Kickstarter campaign that just finished up, that 
day came out for our new documentary we're going to be doing in the next year um it came out like crazy dude and just we raised so much money it blew my mind um so we're super excited and i'm just happy to be a part of this thing with them i they were one of my favorite bands back in the 80s and my favorite color is yellow and black and i was <laughs> meant to be here so well, I had to laugh um, earlier this week. We had Kostaki on talking and, and, of course, riffing on football. And he talked about the Pittsburgh Steelers game. And he said, the last time I've seen that many people dressed in black and yellow that depressed was when Striper retired. <laughs> and uh, we had to inform him, Striper's still kicking and moving along. But uh, it is, it, it's fascinating to see you up there with this band. Uh, it looks like you've been a part of that since day one. Um, you know, and I know having only been a part of it for four years, was it, was it an easy blend for you once you, you got in? It, it took me about a year to really fall into it because it's such a different style of music than Firehouse was. Right. Um, we're, Firehouse is more of a straight ahead groove kind of band, you know, and, uh, Dropper does some crazy stuff man they got is it wasn't what i was used to playing and the way i was playing so i kind of took what they did in the past and put my own spin on it and uh i play with a different style and it's it's worked out they love it the way it it feels and and uh the vocals feel good we're uh, doing some great harmony work together and it's yeah i feel like a I feel like I've been there a long time now. It's, it's coming natural to me on stage finally. So it's yeah, it's been it's been sweet, man. I, I've got to I've got to know. I mean, it's obviously Striper is known for being this Christian heavy metal band, which seems a, a very strange dichotomy. I remember when Striper hit, and my buddy's brother was really into Striper, and you know, as soon as you hear Christian metal. My mind kind of flew out the window. I'm like, oh, oh yeah, I don't. Is it just all Jesus anthems with you know? Because I came from a Lutheran background, and when I had to go in and sing hymns, mm-hmm. that is not something I thought would ever be contextually entertaining in any kind of music venue. And then yeah. uh, we'd be in the car, and his brother would play a cassette and not tell us who it was. And I remember thinking, man, this is great. Who's this? And he's like, oh, I don't know. I just uh, recorded a bunch of songs. So he'd make us listen to half the album before he'd tell us it was Striper. Mm. And uh, so we, that's my indoctrination to it other than just seeing the black and yellow everywhere uh you said yeah. you were an actual fan of striper did it did it speak to you as well i mean that's pretty powerful that they took this stance that hey we're rocking out for god right and i mean this is kind of the way they've always been yeah i mean you know to tell you the truth that's not what drew me to them mm-hmm. uh, it it was their music and uh i love that sound and and i didn't even really know that they were a Christian band until probably several months into it. And I started back then, I barely listened to lyrics, you know, right. I mean, listened to the melody and the and instruments and all that and started paying attention. I was like, wow, that's, oh boy. <laughs> that's never good. That's a sound you don't want to hear from your guest or a doctor. Oh boy. I have a new uh, French bulldog. Wow. Oh. And uh, he's like, rolling around going crazy so sorry about that no problem (laughs) well if you think about it i mean striper being christian metal isn't that big of a leap because i would say the vast majority of metal motifs probably come from the book of revelation 
Yeah. The Four Horsemen, <laughs> yeah. The Lakes of Fire, all that kind of stuff. It's all from that one book. So it's like, and now instead of just going with the book of Revelation, you got what? 20, 30 more books to choose from. So. <laughs> Yeah. Plenty of material. Yeah, Andy, you are missing That's your calling, man. At. You need to be the PR guy for Striper going forward. We don't limit our metal to just one book of the Bible. You get them all so with we're doing Striper. A, we're doing a gospel theme <laughs> album this time. Well, going, going into a band like this, which is well-established, has really continued on and is doing this. Is it Was it a surprise to you that here in you know the 21st century and in 2021, Striper is still so loved and followed i you know to me that was a surprise i really when we went on the cruise ship and i heard striper's gonna be on i'm like my god i know jericho was a fan how long has it been since they oh just a few years ago they put out a new album oh they really have never broken up officially they've they've just had these these uh hiatus is it surprising to see this kind of love and and support still for the band it it, it is man um at you know with Firehouse, we didn't come out until 1990. Right. So we don't have all those years. That Striper was out in 83, 84. Um, that's a long time. And mm-hmm. it, the bands that were there in the beginning are still there. And we would do a lot of uh, interaction with them through Patreon and the fan club and all this stuff. And it, it, it blows my mind how dedicated they are and what they will do for this band. It, it, it touches my heart. It's changed so many lives. I mean, we get story after story after story, which is a lot of what this documentary is going to be about, how this band changed the life of so many people, you know, without, you know, going to church and having somebody preach to you and scare you to death to, to follow Jesus. This band did it in a whole different way and brought a lot of people there. And I think that's wonderful, you know, and, it's gonna. I, that's what surprised me. I guess is how long and dedicated these people have stuck with them, and, and still love them. And uh, yeah, it's amazing. And I'm gonna strangle my dogs. <laughs> that's all right. We used to have three dogs at a time in studio, and they made plenty of sound. So oh, we're just getting uh, getting our due. I think my favorite part of being at the concert, right? I've been to music. I love live music, and I always watch. You know, they're you know. Uh, Rod Stewart's kicking soccer balls into the audience. Mm-hmm. Billy Idol signing frisbees and throwing frisbees into the audience. Stretch, what do you think the band Striper is chucking out to the audience? <laughs> what do I think they're, they're what? What do you think that the, the band Striper is throwing out to their audience mm-hmm. from the stage? Uh, well, uh, maybe the uh, King James version. Yeah, <laughs> they're throwing out Bibles. Yeah, little mini Bibles. Yeah, they were throwing Bibles with the Striper logo that is not on the surprising. cover. Yeah. What's funny is we grabbed them, you know, everybody in the places are flinging them out to the audience. Afterwards, as a lark, I'm like, I got to check. And I look on eBay, they're selling <laughs> Striper Bibles on eBay for like $200. Perry, you're wow. in the wrong business of this. Oh if things God. go slow, just start That's selling Striper Bibles online. That's not right. It's, yeah, it's kind of depressing. I can't even make a joke anymore. <laughs> yeah, uh, really. That's yeah, true. We, we have never sold one, and we never will. No. What what version of the Bible is it? Is it King James? Yes, yeah, the New Testament. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. yeah. It was funny to watch the audience respond because they're like calling out, and then they they just start flinging things, and people are grabbing at them. And he goes, uh, you know, we noticed that we used to just throw out Bibles, and then afterwards we'd see Bibles laying all over the floor. Mm. Now we put the Striper logo on the cover and throw them out, and they all yep. go home now with somebody. Valuable, yep. 
That is an interesting way to market. But what's funny is our, you know, our sons were with us on the cruise, Perry, and uh, our boy Charlie has been going to church with his girlfriend pretty regularly. And uh, he comes over to me. He's like, "Hey, can you go get me one of those Bibles?" <laughs> I'm like, "Are you going to try to score with a chick by showing her your striper Bible?" And he's like, "No, I just want to have my own Bible, man." I'm like, "Okay, sure." So uh, you were kind enough to grab me a, a Bible after they'd all been thrown out to the audience. Well, I uh, still hear Striper coming from their shower every oh, time they get in there. Yeah, that's uh, that's what I say. I love about the fact music is so universal. Here I'm on this cruise with guys I've been friends with for over a decade. And uh, we're we're all on this cruise. <laughs> and then it's like one of those weird little dirty secrets. Everybody's like a Striper fan, but nobody's talking about it, right? <laughs> and then slowly one guy just brings out his album. He's like, you think I can get this signed? I'm like, we can find out. Out. And then, you know, the Marty's like, yeah, I really like Striper too. And Lou, yeah, this is good. And suddenly we're all in matching Striper t shirts. A bunch of 40 to 50 year old guys out there ramming and jamming to, to Striper. And we were able to do it un- unadulterated and have some fun. It was cute. It's cool to see that that kind of music brings people together. And it's like I said, not that it's a dirty secret, but you mentioned Striper. You know, those Joe Schrader loves Springsteen. He loves the Beatles. He loves, you know, Guns N' Roses. Striper? <laughs> right? Really? Why? Yeah. That's crazy that that attitude is out there. But then it's, you know, it's it's like I, I equivalent it to, equivalent it? Is that a word? Let's market it, <laughs> trademark it. Perry, when I'm on a plane and people ask me what I do for a living, I always kind of hem and haw if I want to tell them I'm a ghost hunter and a paranormal radio guy. Because yeah. I always get that look, and I, I get that same look as a Striper fan, because I get that arched eyebrow and the, oh, well, you know, I used to listen to Striper. They get that low voice, and then they admit to me. It's like this weird confessional that they're into the same kind of music. Oh, that's all. Oh, it's uh, everybody's little dirty secret. <laughs> yeah, but it's it why why music though. I mean, come on, the like the you know the seventies and eighties. Sure, was seventies especially, but eighties into the you know early nineties is my favorite era for music. Yeah. And, it uh, the 70s really, you know, that was man, I just don't think it'll ever be like that again. Well, that not with so that good. stinking thinking, Perry. I don't know if you've heard about a little band named ABBA, the little band that could and is. <laughs> they're back with a new album and they're touring, but not in person. It's a uh, hologram concert <laughs> and it's them singing their new songs, but they've been no uh, altered to look like they did in the wow. 1970s. That's oh, weird. Man. Yes. Yeah. Oh, so I've always, I've, I've t- told everybody this for like the last 10 years. It's like one day we'll just be able to stay at home and play from our bedrooms and our pajamas and then put holograms of us on mm-hmm. stage. So exactly. Now really done it. See, I'm thinking uh, at some point I'm going to be able to actually have them project a hologram of full head of hair on me during my shows when I'm on, on the Jericho cruise. You just can't move your head at all. During That's right. The... Yeah. Speaking of, I, I had to laugh, Perry, when you were on, on stage performing the one day, what happened? You hit like a, a Bermuda Triangle void of silence. You couldn't move from the position you were in or your or your guitar would just stop working? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm working on getting that fixed at the moment. That's um, not an uncommon thing to happen with quarter-inch connectors, believe me. What? Man, it freaks me out on stage. That's the only thing that I ever get nervous about is every is everything going to work. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Always something breaking down. And, and well, you're you get, using rented gear, and you don't know what yeah, you're playing through. That's true, yep. Ten minutes to get ready to go. and, and 
Yeah, <laughs> I watched. Is there and they're rocking? I gotta honestly tell you that band still holds together extremely well, and there's a lot of energy. And Perry's moving around. All of a sudden, he just does this like weird freeze frame, <laughs> and he's just playing in this little section. He's like slowly yeah. leaning each side to figure out where his parameters are for yep. where his, his That's guitar's what you have gonna to do, quit. Yeah, and uh, jamming it out. <laughs> that was just uh, that was truly hilarious to just watch you pull it up. But you still you rocked it, not being able to move more than two inches in any direction. <laughs> yeah, you got to learn how to like keep your feet planted and look cool anyway. <laughs> when you right exactly when you're when you guys are, are performing and now uh, and this was pretty cool stretch. This is the future is upon us, my friend. Uh, you know we're talking about bands that can perform on stage. Are we going to start to see stretch? Do you think uh, uh, classic football games played like Madden style, where we're going to see all the superstars projected on a field and able to watch? Uh, you know, Joe Montana throw against, uh, you know, Tom Brady and, and watch these guys at their peaks play their games in this new kind of arena setting? Well, I, I think that probably it's already out there, don't you? Yeah, it's getting close. Video. I love Somewhere, listening yeah. to my kids complain about their video game systems as they're playing Madden 9000 and uh, it's <laughs> right. detailed down to the claps and then I have to go to YouTube and pull up uh, NFL Atari 2600 to show yeah. them. <laughs> Quit your bitching. I remember playing 10-yard fight on the NES when every character, when every player was like a collective eight pixels. You, you know? had eight pixels. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey, well, you I, don't. Oh, go ahead. Hey, I, go ahead. I, I had the vibrating football field. Yes, yeah, we had the baseball one, yep. I had the vibrating football table, <laughs> yep. and you were just hoping that your yeah. guys would at least make it yeah, halfway it's, it's, down before falling over. It's not even a game. <laughs> it's just like flip a, a coin. I never understood that. Uh, you know, I, I had one of those things when I was about seven years old and flipped the switch and then uh, all, there was all, you know, I, I enjoyed the vibrating, of course, <laughs> but um, I wasn't getting results from it. It's yeah. kind of like real life. Yeah, right? right? And you always had that one that just kept going in a circle. Yeah, just going in a circle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He always the coach had the ball. Is <laughs> I've got to guess, seriously, I've got to guess, if they're doing this with bands and the deep fake that they're doing with movies and able to take old mm-hmm. actors' faces, and we've got to be at a point where in 15 to 20 years we're going to watch classic games played out in front of us with players from every era. Absolutely, mm-hmm. yeah. As long as they sign off for it. That'll yeah. be Madden well, 22nd century uh, <laughs> stuff going on there. Well, you can already do that. You can create a team out of people, like real-life people, you can basically make yeah. a fantasy football team and then play that team against another fantasy football team, except it's like actually being played. Right, but yeah. now that's what I'm saying. Seeing it projected onto an actual field and yeah. seeing it oh, totally. come together will be pretty fascinating. Well, God, I, uh, people playing StarCraft is like a multi-billion-dollar industry, and that's just that's a game from like 25 years ago. I can't even imagine how big that would be. If you want to blow your mind someday, just look up. Indiana Jones or Raiders of the Lost Ark Atari 2600 game. <laughs> and I got that on Christmas, and I yep. played that thing for eight hours straight, and it is the word. I think it's two pixels. Well, you don't know what the hell is going on. It's like, what is this icon supposed to be? Is that a snake? Is that a rope? Oh, I knew how to play it, buddy. <laughs> yeah. I knew how to play it. But it's brutal. So not everything from the 80s carried over as, as fondly as Striper no, did, Perry. No. That's, my, uh, that's my rejoinder to this conversation. <laughs> we, uh, we need to take a quick break. We'll continue talking. Perry Richardson, our guest. We've got Stretch Online, Andy, Cassie, myself. We'll be back with more of the family right after this.
Tom here for Shift Real Estate. I met the folks from Shift Real Estate last year on our way to Key West and love their story. Shift Real Estate saves home sellers thousands of dollars on real estate fees because they list for a flat fee of $5,000, and that includes photos, MLS listing, online marketing, and the assistance of a full-time realtor. Tell Shift about your home, and they will tell you how you can save $10,000 or more. Shift Real Estate, the common-sense way to sell your home. Visit Shift2Sell.com because life is expensive enough. It's Tom again from my friends at Profile. I've been telling you for months how easy and effective my Profile journey has been. I've lost over 100 pounds, and I'm keeping it off, all thanks to my Profile coach, Haley. She really cares about my progress and is doing an amazing job helping me maintain my weight loss. Profile's customized plan will get you to your goal. They're with you every step of the way, giving you encouragement and keeping you on track. I know you've tried other weight loss programs, but Profile is different. Trust me, it worked for me, and it will work for you, too. Join Profile this month and take advantage of their buy three, get three deal. Pay for three months of health coaching and get three months absolutely free. Profile has six metro locations as well as Weight Park, Mankato, and Rochester. Visit ProfilePlan.com forward slash Twin Cities today to set up a free consultation. That's ProfilePlan.com forward slash Twin Cities. ProfilePlan.com forward slash Twin Cities. We're back on The Family. Perry Richardson, our guest today from uh, Firehouse, now from Striper. You've got, uh, now is a new album forthcoming? You guys are working on one right now, Perry, is that right? Yeah, we'll be going in, uh, we'll be meeting up in January, I think the middle of January, and start working on that. Yep. How long does it legitimately, from the time you sit down to the time you're ready to go to press or whatever they call it for uh, creating a new album, how long does it usually take in studio to, to record a feature-length album? Uh, I think the last one we did, we spent about, what was it, five weeks maybe total. Uh but that's not counting the lead vocal. Michael does the lead vocal tracks after, after we're done. So mm-hmm. we'll get all the, uh, you know, all the drums, guitars, and background vocals and everything done, and then he'll go back in and take his time doing the lead vocal tracks. So that takes a while after that. But yeah, we we can get all the basic stuff down, and from rehearsing and putting all the songs together, and then recording, it'll take five, you know, about five weeks. Have you been watching this uh, Beatles Get Back special on Disney Plus by any chance? No, I have not. There's so many amazing scenes where they've literally, they've got like half a month to come up with 14 new tracks, and then they're supposed to do a TV special and and uh, uh, a live performance, and they have no songs. They're literally, you're watching <laughs> Paul McCartney hammering out the beginning of Get Back, and they're just each building their own songs. Do you go in with... Like, oh, I've already written eight songs. Now we just have to flesh them out with the music. Or is it a lot of tooling around? And, and I got this idea. What do you guys think of this riff? Yeah, okay, we could build on that. How does it really work? Yeah, we don't have the money Def Leppard does to uh, <laughs> go in and sit around in the studio and write for a year. So uh, we've got to have it pretty much, you know, we got to have a good idea what that song is before we get together. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we'll trade ideas uh online and send the you know mp3s back and forth and here we do this and this and so when we get there we've got a a decent idea of what it's going to be like and then we'll 
we'll get in there and rearrange and start working on the vocal because usually when we're sending stuff back and forth, there's no vocal lock track on it. So you really don't know what the melody is or anything yet. Um, we'll get that music down. And when we get together, we'll start working on all the melodies and the vocals. Well, I'm hoping that you're done by mid-February so you can go on the ghost hunt with me when I hit Savannah, Georgia. Yeah, I am thinking, I'm keeping my fingers crossed, man, but I think I'm going to be home. We're looking awesome. like, uh, I think my flight coming back right now is scheduled for like the 20, 21st or something. And I think that's in the, what, the 27th or 8th, something like that? I think so, yeah. I'm, I'm not up yeah. on it. Yeah, we're going to be out in Savannah, Georgia doing... Uh, paranormal investigation and kind of a small paracon with Cindy Kaza from the Holzer Files, myself, and a few select other guests. But some of your buddies from the cruise are going to be there, Perry, and I think they're excited yeah. that you might be able uh, to make it. So, dude, uh, I'm going to be. We'll, uh, we'll, uh, um, me and Shelly and the and the dogs will uh, hook up the new RV and bring it down and uh, <laughs> find us a cool campground to hang out in. Excellent. Down there, yeah. Very good cool. vacation for us. Yeah. Uh, now, you've, you've got, obviously, uh, and Stretch, they just did this, opened up a, a GoFundMe online to build this documentary. And it had these different levels. And, uh, you know, they were like, for 100000 we can do a documentary like this, more like a VH1 behind-the-scenes 45-minute special. For 150 we can reach this. 200000 we can reach it. And, and the band hit in very quick time, $220,000. So you guys are going to do a full-length feature documentary on Striper at this point. Yeah, yeah. It's, it, it's blowing my mind, dude. I mean, I, we were, I, I was personally was like, how are we going to raise a hundred thousand dollars for a documentary? I had no idea that these fans would do what they did and, and came through, you know, I was sitting there three, uh, three hours to go. I texted you about it. I was like, Oh my God, I can't believe we're almost going to make 200 grand. And, you know, three hours later, by the time it was over, we'd hit 220 and I was freaking out. It was everybody in the, the whole band and everybody that works with us and everything, we're all texting each other back and forth those last hours, just freaking out. I mean, it was such great news that, that they, they love us enough to, they want to see this documentary. It's going to be a blast to record. And we're going to try and make it, we want to make it like a movie, make it different. We don't want a behind the scenes. Oh, what the band went through and the band did this and interviews with the band. And we want to make it, more of like how this band changed people's lives and 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 so that's what we're shooting for we'll see how it turns out and so we've got to find us a really great director was there was there a band that really you could credit yeah this this music saved my life this music showed me what music was really like who is that that stood out to you perry uh judas priest beyond a doubt really um, yeah they're they I mean, if I had to pick one band that, that I can only listen to that band the rest of my life, that would be Judas Priest. They, Rob Halford uh, is by far, in my opinion, the best singer, rock, metal singer that's ever lived. He influenced almost every singer I know. Mm -hmm. I mean, he he's amazing. Um, their songwriting was spectacular. I mean, it, they were... It, the epitome of a metal band. They're the godfathers of metal. If it hadn't been for them, I don't know what would happen, man. But it, I was listening to them back in uh, 
I think the first album I got by, by then was maybe 76. And, uh, and they're still going strong today. The last album they put out like a year ago, it's just unbelievable. And Rob still sings his butt off and it's, it's crazy, crazy. Yeah, it's great which bands are able to survive and and still sound tight and sound like a good band. Striper did that blew me away. The voices are still there. the The image, the the energy is a part of that. There's a lot of bands that don't follow that now. And you know, like yeah. God love him, Paul McCartney. I love the guy. I've seen him a couple times. I've I just don't have the heart to go see him now. When I watch him on one of the TV shows doing it, his voice is so wispy and soft and and crackly and doesn't sound like McCartney. It almost hurts my soul. Right, yeah. You want to remember them like they were. Right. When you had that, is there there a stage you think, you know what, uh, maybe Striper's got five more years and then we need to step, or are you of the mind that it's like, you know, hey, we're going to keep going until we just don't want to play anymore? I, that's the way I feel, man. I do it until it's not fun anymore. Mm-hmm. And and uh, I mean, that's what happened to me in Firehouse. It wasn't fun anymore, so I got out. Country got to that point where it wasn't fun, and I was planning on coming back home and just quitting, you know. And the moment I made that decision, Striper called me. Um, and it's fun again. I can't wait to get on stage and... I mean, if you go and watch videos of me, I hear people telling me about this all the time. It's like, man, I've never seen somebody smile so much on stage in a rock band before. <laughs> I was like, well, I'm having a freaking blast. You know, I'm, I'm playing with Striper, one of my favorite bands that I grew up listening to. And, and they're such nice guys. I mean, right. you, you didn't get to hang out with them, man. But if you would, if you get to know the guys in the band, you'd fall in love with them. I mean, they're, well, even yeah. in the, the moments that we would talk, there wasn't that pretentiousness that a lot of celebrities have. You know, they no. they weren't standoffish, big smiles, shaking hands, very polite. And, uh, you know, I mean, we're fine hanging out with Perry. It was good enough for us. We were, mm-hmm. uh, you know, our little nerd clique, we're, we're happy. <laughs> hey, Stretch, I'm curious, was there a music uh, form, a band, anything like that, that was really kind of your go-to or still is? Well, you know, it's funny. I was just uh, I was just talking to someone about this the other day, and we were we were talking about the when we were kids. What was the first the first uh, record we bought? You know, in those days, of course, it would have been a you know would have been a a, a a single that we probably bought in a in a bin at some drugstore for a quarter. And uh, and I and I have to say, it's kind of weird, but uh, I, I was uh, I think I was about nine years old. And I purchased uh, I purchased uh, the uh, uh, song. You may have heard uh, James Taylor do it, but it was a song called "Handyman" by Jimmy Jones, uh, and it's a very soulful. It was race music, as they called it in those days, and it was hard to hear on local radio. Uh, but that kind of uh, I was always into R and B, you know, from the age of like nine. After I heard Jimmy Jones singing Handyman. He also sang, uh, sang uh, some of it falsetto. And uh, so it was a little weird, but uh, but that probably uh, got me into it. And I, I credit that for the fact that when I was uh, 14 years old, um, I decided I wanted to go see James Brown play at the uh, Minneapolis Auditorium. And uh, so I had my dad drop me off. And I was sitting there, and uh, of course I was going crazy uh, listening to James Brown, and it was just nothing like I'd ever seen before. And it took me about until I was about an hour in to realize that 
I was basically the only white person there, let alone the only 14-year-old white person there. <laughs> but, you know, nobody was paying any attention no. to me, and I wasn't paying attention to any of them. I was just uh, grooming to James Brown, and it was fantastic. Yeah, I remember yeah. when I got my first turntable, I was like seven, and mm-hmm. I remember getting it, but nobody thought to buy me any albums, so I, my grandfather gives me this turntable. <laughs> right. So my mom goes here, and she pulls out her records, and she says, any album you want, you can choose. So the first album I picked, because the guy looked so happy on the cover, was I picked Elvis Presley's Blue Hawaii. Oh, oh well, sure. Yeah, the first yeah. album I ever bought was uh, More of the Monkees. Mm-hmm. And then the first CD I bought was The Police, The Singles. So it's weird how those moments in music history kind of stand out to you. Like, I remember buying this exact album, when it happened, when I, why I wanted this and, and what was going on. And how music just kind of, you know, you know, I took a lot of heat because I was a huge Monkees fan growing up watching it on TV. And then, you know, people pick on you in school. And then when they came out with the 20th anniversary concert, every dickhead that was picking on me in grade school and high school had better seats than I do to the yeah. concert. You Would know? you say they were too busy singing to put anybody down? <laughs> well played, Mr. Bernard. I know my first cassette tape I bought. Which was that? The Bad Album by Michael Jackson. Mm. On cassette when it came out in 1988. I bought one album in my life. Beastie Boys, Hello Nasty. <laughs> And do you still stand by that album? Does it hold up to the test of time for you? (laughs) Depends on who you are. (laughs) Beastie Boys. Depends on if you were born during the three-year period that's prerequisite for liking the Beastie Boys. I didn't know there was a shelf life for that. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) You've got specific boundaries. Certain certain types of music, you know, it's very period appropriate. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, God. And now... You're out there. You're you're performing with Firehouse. You're performing with Striper. You've been doing this. Do you get a chance to mingle with many of the other '80s and '90s musicians and celebrities, Perry? Or you know, how, how does that all work? I'm I'm curious. I'm always baffled when I hear, "Oh yeah, Bruce Springsteen just met you know McCartney for the first time in this year." You're like, "Really? How the hell did that happen? Why didn't they meet 40 years ago?" Yeah, you would think they would have. That's weird. Uh, well, you get to see usually when we do festivals. It's when we get to hang out with the, the other guys. So there'll be, you know, if there's a big festival going on, it's got like 10 bands playing, you'll get to see them. And, and, uh, but other than that, no, I mean, I, uh, I, I don't have my phone full of, uh, 80s rock stars. That I, call <laughs> <laughs> I have a few, but, uh, that are really good friends, but, um, no, it's uh, you usually see him on the road, and that's about it. Well, I can I can pass you Rick Springfield's uh, phone number if it'll make you feel better <laughs> to load up that phone with uh, oh, your first man. '80s pop star. My, one of my best friends that lives here in Myrtle Beach is the biggest fan in the world of Rick. He, <laughs> he goes and sees. He bought the, his well. His new dog was the uh, you know the I forget the breed that dog that. It was on the cover of his album. Oh, yeah, that like American Bull Terrier or something? Yeah, the Bull Terrier. He right. bought one of those, took it to a concert, to had Rick take pictures with him. And <laughs> I mean, he's got Rick Springfield guitars, and it is amazing. He loves him. And uh, I've never seen him. I'd love to. I heard he's great live. Yeah. I, you know, I saw him maybe at a not so great point in his life. He was playing Rib Fest here in Minnesota, so that might give you a little clue <laughs> as to what it was. And my buddy and I were we were enjoying I think ribs. I've played that before. Yeah. Rib Fest. and he's up there, and 
just uh, sadly drunk out of his mind and not remembering <laughs> lyrics to Jesse's Girl. And it's it's bad when you're up there, yeah, Jesse's Girl. <laughs> and, and the audience, and he's walking around on people's dining tables. It was just a very surreal, what are you doing, uh, Rick Springfield? <laughs> like how you sang a song for that many years and can't remember the words. Yeah, it. yeah. you got to be pretty drunk to not remember the lyrics Dude, to the It was like, that reminds song. me of my favorite the first time I met Ozzy Osbourne, we were rehearsing right beside him, and our tour manager knew him really well. He said, "Come over, I'll introduce you." And we walked in, and he was like, "Hello, man!" And he he was standing there, and they had his teleprompter up, right? And I walked up to the front of the stage, and on the teleprompter was "Paranoid." Oh! <laughs> and I looked at him, I was like, "Dude, you still need the words." To- Paranoid. <laughs> that was since what seventy? What two? <laughs> Whatever year that came out. Well, Paranoid. Exactly. We saw. I saw Sinatra perform here in '91 when the Super Bowl came, and it was his last tour. And he would always go to whatever city the the Super Bowl was in and perform just before it. And and we went to see him, and he blew a line in, I don't know, Fly Me to the Moon or something, and then he starts laughing at himself. He goes, well, at least you know I'm not the Manila Vanilla guys. <laughs> Manila Vanilla. Yeah. Frank was very Close up enough. on it, you know. Exactly. I'm not one of the Manila Vanilla guys. Yeah. But, uh, yeah I'm glad I'm not a lead singer. I couldn't remember anything. All right. <laughs> I feel like forgetting line. I can't even remember the lines to half the choruses we did. <laughs> So are you up there doing the Jesse's girl, Jesus lives? Or is that kind of it? You're just faking it along the way? Yeah, yeah. They can't tell. They can't tell. The mic's not hooked up to anything. That's what I love about you know when they did the Traveling Wilburys, that super group in the late '80s, right? Where you've got George Harrison Mm -hmm. and and uh, Roy Orbison and Tom Petty and everybody's in the band. They named the band Wilbury because. Of the, all the mistakes they made, George Harrison said, "Don't worry, we'll bury it in uh, in post." Ah, so all their oh, all their wow. mistakes they made, they just buried in post. So that's how they became the traveling Wilburys. Is that, <laughs> is that the real reason behind the noise war? Is they're just burying as much as they can behind uh, <laughs> amplification? Yes. <laughs> oh my God! Have, uh, what? How does it make you feel, Perry, as a musician, somebody who takes his craft seriously, loves this, goes out, puts your heart and soul into it, and then you see the the footage? And I don't know if you can pull it up andy and i know we're not supposed to play music on here but i don't think it'd equate to actually music but it's uh vince neal singing uh girls oh. girls girls have you seen that footage oh. perry dude uh i don't know if i've, I've seen something uh, oh my god gelfand have you seen the footage of, of of him singing girls 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 yeah. no I, I i guess i'd sort of like doing a real creepy way though Oh, it's so bad. Well, it's like earlier this week we were talking about Tiffany on stage kind of sort of blowing up at fans in the front row and cursing them out as she's singing, singing I think we're alone now. Only she's sounds like she's put down about a fifth of bourbon and mm-hmm. 20 packs of smokes. <laughs> she's up there. I think we're alone now. Yeah. And that's not me over-exaggerating. No, it's not good. It is crazy. No, I think, you know, I think that's one of those things where nobody should have should have done it after Tommy James and the Shondells. Yes. <laughs> you yeah, can't well, improve yeah. on that. I'm sorry. Well, the she was a cute bubblegum song. She was a cute written. little redhead in the 80s. It worked well for her, but that yeah, that when that's the ha- the song you can hang your hat on 40 years later. Yeah. yeah. So, in Vince Neil, would this have been Seven Oaks in Boone, Iowa? 
That might be it. Well, let's, uh, let's play a little. He and doesn't know the lyrics. See what you think. In the one, he's literally he's up there like, hamburger girls, 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 and they had to put subtitles. Yeah, you cannot understand it, and it's I don't I don't first of all I don't know, and he's dancing around stage. Yeah, so he's so hammered he doesn't know the words, and can't hit a note, and yet he's got the energy to dance to it. It is one of the most bizarre. Sad pieces. Yeah, apparently, he only you know, he did a couple lines, and then he was just like, "Sorry, I can't do this," and walked off. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's kind of like yeah, being a, yeah. a legacy act, you know, in a in a third rate casino. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and in, invariably, the the uh, the singer oh, here's one of my biggest hits, you know, and then he does a, sings a line or two, and then obviously he becomes confused. <laughs> Probably not because he's intoxicated, but just spent too much time at the buffet. Yeah. And, uh, that yeah. will go anyone's senses. And then, of course, and then of course he says, Everybody now. <laughs> Everybody <laughs> but me. Welcome to Bob's Barbecue and Bingo Parlor. Tonight we've got for your enjoyment. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's sad. There are a lot of bands that are, are pulling that string to where they're leaning into just hey now it's your turn audience yeah. <laughs> and you can tell they can't hit the notes i guess genesis is taking a lot of heat right now oh yeah um phil collins yeah. who we saw just a few years ago sounded great you yeah. know he, he changed the register of the songs so that he could hit the notes yeah. but uh, i guess he's really struggling and tickets are like 200 to 500 dollars a seat to go see genesis do this final tour yeah that's a little mm. pricey yeah yeah so when is Striper's price is going to start hitting the, like, 666 for the ticket price, you know? <laughs> Help us beat the devil. Striper's 666 concert. We need to team up with a satanic band and go out on tour. Yeah. <laughs> well, Motley Crue's probably going to be easy to, to book now. <laughs> you know, just battle it out at the end of the night. <laughs> I love oh. the fact that on the first album, they had to change the cover art because fans of Striper were upset by the fact that there's a pentagram on the cover. But what they're not noticing is that the angels are tearing the pentagram off the, the demonic figure. Yeah. But that, that's what and their focus was. It deep enough. Yeah. That's, that's been a thing forever, though. Just like seeing one aspect and not putting it in context. Right. Yeah. Just kind of how it is. Well, and the whole album's about beating the devil. Yeah. And that's what they're doing on the cover of the album. And people... People were raising their fist in ire. What I, I think the shirt we were wearing, Perry. <laughs> I think one of the brothers told me that 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 the shirt we were wearing really caused a lot of ruckus as well. What was it? Uh, God, what does the shirt say? It's, Something it's, like uh, be, uh, kicking the devil's ass since 1984. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And he said, yeah. "Oh yeah, our fans don't really like that shirt. <laughs> we do. The four idiots standing before you are big fans of it. Oh, you were so cute, fanboying. Ah, shut up." <laughs> Fun. Yeah, I, had, I gave him a shirt idea that they turned down too. It was going to be a, a picture of the devil on there, and, and on the back of there, Satan is a jackass. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I'd wear that. 
But I would, yeah, I had a shirt made like that, and I freaking loved it. Everybody was dying over it, but they were like, eh, it's a little, might be a little much. A little too abusive, even to the devil. Come on, Perry. Give <laughs> yeah, the devil yeah. his due. He's got mm-hmm. feelings. <laughs> well, Perry, where can people keep up with you and uh, what you're doing and when the new album will be out, when the new movie will be out? Yeah, stri- uh, striper.com. Uh, just go there, and it, it'll have all of our dates that are coming up listed. Everything that's uh, scheduled now, I think we've got stuff starting in April, maybe. Uh, but uh, we keep the dates on there updated and the documentary um, I don't know if they're going to keep the site going but there was a stripedocumentary.com I think the site that was uh, promoting that so it might stay up to keep everyone informed on that if not it'll be on striper.com and uh, yeah just visit me on Facebook I've got a fan page on there Perry Richardson and uh you know, it's uh, we try to interact as much as we can with everybody, and uh, it's uh, it gets to be overwhelming at times, but we try our best. So you guys do great, um, honestly. It was yeah. you, you put on such a fun, energetic concert. Everybody was on point. The band sounds great. Voices sound great. I hope people will check out the new Striper album. Check out the documentary when it's released, and go see these guys live because you will walk away perhaps with a new Striper Bible, but more importantly, having a great time. Yeah. That's right, and Dave, I hope that, I hope I get to see you uh, in Savannah because I, I want everybody to know that, that Schrader is like my all-time favorite pod guy and uh, paranormal guy. So he's been my go-to for years and years and years, and uh, I'm honored to be on with him. And uh, I can't wait to. Uh, meet up with you again man we had a blast on the cruise well thank you buddy and i will tell you you gave me my one rock star moment in life that i'll never forget as they're as you guys are playing from the stage and uh thanking chris jericho for bringing you on board i love the fact that you stopped the show to go and let me thank you for bringing this guy dave schrader from (laughs) darkness radio on the cruise perry my life couldn't get any better after that so thank you sir Oh, dude, you're welcome, man. <laughs> <laughs> have a good one. Stretch, it was great to finally get to uh, talk with you and have you on the show. Thank you for being here with us. Oh, it was a, it was a pleasure, yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I felt like I was in an entirely different universe today. <laughs> well, so Stretch, look- what is your favorite part of the New Testament? <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. There's a New Testament? <laughs> when did this happen? <laughs> I I, uh, I stopped with the Leviticus. I said, okay, it can't get any better than this. <laughs> Pentateuch you know, or we're bust, killing right? people, we're stoning them for disagreeing with us. Wait a minute, I, that's in today's uh, front page of the Washington Post. So. <laughs> that is true. We're still living part of yeah. the, the original cast of the uh, Bible. Well, that's the nice thing about the Bible is it's timeless because people never, ever change. That is true. Well, happy Hanukkah. Yeah, that's, I, I'm afraid you're right. That's, yeah, uh, unfortunately. sort of scary because, you know what, people don't change, but the weapons do. That is true. That's why the world needs more Striper, man. Let's just start jamming exactly. on Striper. That's right. what I was thinking. Exactly. <laughs> All right, guys, that's it. Tom will be back hosting the show with you next week. Stay safe and have a great week. Happy Hanukkah. Take care, everyone.